You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke and Cameron Parker, your daily Broncos podcast. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Broncos. It is the final day of 2019 and the final day of the entire decade. And it's only fitting that because of that, we go through our Broncos all-decade team offense, defense, and coaches on today's episode of the show. Plus, we heard from Broncos general manager and president of football operations, John Elway, yesterday for his end-of-the-season press conference to get a little bit of insight on what his plans may be for the offseason, where it's at with player negotiations in terms of contract extensions, re-signing guys, Von Miller, and a lot of times where there was some notion that he was frustrated this year. Von Miller expressed that on several occasions. He was just upset, frustrated with losing. John Elway gave his thoughts on that, plus how the Broncos are going to be doing their player evaluation this season. All on today's jam-packed episode of Locked On Broncos. I'm your host, Cody Rourke, NFL analyst and Broncos insider for the Locked On NFL Network. You guys can follow me on Twitter, at Cody Rourke NFL. And also be sure to follow the show on Twitter as well, at Locked On Broncos. If you guys get a chance, whenever you get the moment, to please go to Apple Podcasts, click on write a review, leave us a review of the show. And if you love the show, leave us a five-star rating and we'll be sure to shout you out here on the show. As we approach the offseason, a lot of excitement. The Broncos coming away on the last game of the season with a 16-15 victory over the Oakland Raiders. Usually the next day after week 17, all across the National Football League, you're going to run into the scenario where a lot of coaches are going to be dismissed. It feels good waking up and knowing that the Broncos aren't going to be making any wholesale changes. They're not going to have to go through another rebuild of trying to find a new head coach, new coaching staff, players leaving, players coming and going. This is the Broncos team that we're going to have for quite a bit of time, and John Elway solidified that with his press conference uh, on Monday. Him and Vic Fangio, Joe Ellis, they were able to meet with the media and discuss some of their plans for this offseason, but John Elway touched base on several interesting topics, and that's what I want to get into here. Now, first off, you know, the Broncos, at the end of the season, most NFL teams take some time and they evaluate their players from week one all the way to week 17, and this is what helps them make personnel decisions when it comes up for contract negotiations, whether or not they want to bring a player back or not. And John Elway said that the Broncos this year are going to be taking a little bit of a more different approach when it comes to player evaluation. They're actually going to be taking some time off. You know, this year, a little bit different than we've done in the past is we're going to wait for our own team evaluation for a month. We're going we're gonna to get away from it and coaches look at it. Personnel side will look at it, get together in, a, in a, you know, early February and really get a good objective view of what, what our team is going to look like next year and what we need to do. And I think that that's why we'll take the time and evaluate everything. And, you know, obviously Joe will be one of those that we'll, we'll look at and, and see his situation. I strongly feel that this is a good move for the Broncos. And Vic Fangio said something after John Elway that really stood out to me. The fact that when you separate yourself, you take a little bit of time off from doing the player evaluation standpoint of the season. You kind of detract yourself from that emotional attachment because it's still all very fresh. The season of 2019 is still fresh in the minds of everybody. But when you go back, you have some time off, you go through and you can evaluate with a clear mind. So the Broncos plan to do that with a lot of guys. And certainly some guys are making a case to be brought back. If you look at Shelby Harris, his production 
Jeremiah Atachu even, even though they're going to be getting Bradley Chubb back, they got some tough decisions to make when it comes to the free agency side of things, which led John Elway to answer the following question regarding, you know, it was brought up about Chris Harris Jr. and how maybe, you know, is a team going to offer him a little bit north of that $42 million price tag uh, overall just because of the fact that they offered him a three-year $36 million deal at the con- on the trade deadline and Chris Harris Jr. declined it. Uh, John Elway said that for all players, not just Chris Harris Jr., they got to take a look at how every player fits the budget. Well, again, we're going to go back and evaluate it. We'll have to see what, what, what options we have and what's available. We got to go back and look at uh, the money that we have available and, and we will go through and make a plan before we get to that and we will budget it out and and see what our plan is and put that plan together. So I can't answer that question right now. Um, but, uh, you know, so we'll do that and we'll do that with all our players. And, you know, we're going to look at our budget, see how the pie fits, see how everybody fits in, fits in the pie and, and do the best job of, uh, you know, using our money in the, the, the best ways that we can, but also find the players that, that we hope can, uh, you know, get us back to the playoffs and, and compete for a world championship. And the Broncos have a lot of plugging in that they've got to do in order to get things going for the offseason. And, and as you mentioned, you know, you know, Justin Simmons, a guy that they really have to bring back into the fold. There's been a lot of questions about what the Broncos' plan is. And there's also been a lot of questions surrounding the Broncos' superstar, star player of the team, outside linebacker Von Miller, who won them Super Bowl 50, was a Super Bowl MVP. A lot of people have been questioning all year long, are the Broncos going to be trading Von Miller? What are the Broncos' plans? Well, they plan to bring him back. They just exercised his contract option for 2020 for the team, which means that he will be returning for his 10th season as a Denver Bronco. Now, when it comes to some other things regarding Von Miller, John Elway still believes that Von has a lot of football left to play and that he can do a lot of things for this Broncos team. He could even play even better. I think that Devon still has a lot of football in him, a lot. And, you know, I would say that I think that he can still play better than he plays, that he played this year. And, uh, and I would tell that to him in my office, that I think you can play better. And, uh, but, uh, you know what, he cares about it. And that's, that's the key thing, is he cares about it. I think Von Miller would be in agreement. He didn't have the year that he wanted overall from a standpoint of productivity in the sack department. You know, sacks are a big thing. He's had 10 plus sacks in almost every season except the 2013 season where he tore his ACL. This was the second season in his career where he didn't have 10 sacks in a season. And it's, you know, you could almost factor he could have had two sacks. There was a penalty that they called where they said that he jumped off sides when the replay came out and suggested he actually timed it perfectly and he would have had a sack that was taken away from him there. That got knocked off the board too so I mean those things right there all make a big difference between Von Miller having eight sacks and having ten sacks and the Broncos maybe having seven wins or maybe ten wins in a season everything just kind of adds up into frustration but overall in hindsight I think this Broncos team and Von Miller even said it. he was excited he says they're done with this losing and you have to hope that trend continues to go upwards for the Denver Broncos heading into 2020. Now, coming up in just a little bit, we're going to be getting into our all-decade team over here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast, but i got to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. That's our good friends over there at Calm. Now, we talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. 
Brana Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. And Calm can help you train your brain so you can sleep better, you can have less stress, and you can perform at your best, whether that's on the football field, at the office, or wherever you work, or whatever your hobbies or passions are, you can be at your best. Now, for LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. And if you head to calm.com slash locked on, you'll get 40% off of a Calm Premium membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain on leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. Now, for a limited time, our listeners of Locked On Broncos can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. You get an unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. So get started today at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm.com slash locked on. All right, Broncos country, with it being the final day of the 2019 year and the end of a decade, we are going to give our explanations here for our all-decade Broncos team from 2010 all the way up to 2019. And let's start off with the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I think there's no question about it who the quarterback of this all-decade team should be. And, and we're going to start things off here with Peyton Manning. Now, to, to look back at what Peyton Manning did in his career, not only just as an Indianapolis Colt, but even as a Denver Bronco, his numbers as a Bronco were unheard of. In that four-year stretch, 17,112 yards passing. That's ridiculous in and of itself right there. 140 touchdown passes. And the Broncos' record during that time, a winning record, 45-12 and 12 overall. That speaks volumes as to how valuable Peyton Manning was at that position. Uh, and I don't think there's anybody that comes into a close second to Peyton Manning here on the all-decade list. And I really do believe if we had to give any quarterback any of that kind of consideration, it would have to be probably Trevor Simeon for his time as an ever Broncos for two seasons the fact that he was able to take them to nine and seven in 2016 but uh, you know we're not going to be getting into the hypotheticals of runner-up we're talking about the all-decade team and Peyton Manning takes the cake at our first position at quarterback now let's get to the running back position and this is where I'm really conflicted based on his interaction with Broncos fans I kind of wanted to change a little bit I've got no Sean Moreno as my first guy CJ Anderson as my second guy on my all-decade list but now with the fact that we have Philip Lindsay Two back-to-back rushing, 1,000-yard rushing seasons for him. I'm strongly considering taking C.J. Anderson off my list, considering the fact he only reached 1,000 yards once. But, you know, it's hard for me to ignore the fact that he had 20 touchdowns in his time in Denver. It was critical in the Broncos' Super Bowl 50 uh, victory over the Panthers, scoring that touchdown to seal it for them. But I, I don't know. I, I just think I'm rubbed the wrong way by C.J. Anderson, how he continually talks to Broncos fans and is just full of himself. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm making the decision right here. Bam! I'm putting the hammer down. C.J. Anderson, you're off the list, buddy. And we're going to add Philip Lindsay, no Sean Moreno as the two running backs on the all-decade list. And no Sean Moreno really want to talk about him because in his time in Denver, 3,468 rushing yards, not being the premier back in Denver. This is a guy that was a role player, second to Willis McGahee, 26 touchdowns in his time in Denver, but 1,400 receiving yards and nine receiving touchdowns. And, and monumentally, he had a big year for Denver in 2013, the year they made the Super Bowl. He became one of those premier guys, battled some knee injuries, uh, you know, have a lot of respect for no Sean Moreno in his time in Denver. And I think he deserves recognition for that. Philip Lindsay, back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons, the first undrafted player in NFL history to be able to do that. So those are the two running backs. We start off quarterback Peyton Manning, two running backs. You've got Philip Lindsay, no Sean Moreno. They make the list. 
Now, when it comes to wide receiver, we decided to go with three selections here. It was really hard. I, I felt like it would have been really hard to just pick two. And certainly the third selection that I'm going to make is certainly going to be questionable. We welcome debate here, Lockdown Broncos. Uh, but the first one, I think there's no question about it. Demarius Thomas is the first selection of the Broncos all-decade team at wide receiver. 665 total receiving uh, receptions for him in his career. 9,055 receiving yards overall in his time in Denver. 60 touchdowns. I mean, he, he came close to breaking Rod Smith's records. He broke a few records for the Broncos organization. So much respect for Demarius Thomas and what he did for the Denver Broncos. And it got started off with Tim Tebow. He was able to, to catch passes from Tim Tebow. And, and it goes back, I think, the legend of Demarius Thomas really started against the Pittsburgh Steelers in that divisional game on the game-winning walk-off. And then Peyton Manning comes to town and his game elevates. Peyton Manning elevated everybody's game around him. I mean, that's just another reason why he should be on the all-decade list. But Demarius Thomas, rightful consideration as the first wide receiver selected. Now, now, the second wide receiver, I think, is also a unanimous decision. I'm going to go with Emmanuel Sanders here. In his time in Denver, 404 receptions, 5,361 receiving yards in his time, and 28 touchdowns. He was a playmaker. He was a weapon for this Broncos offense, and, and certainly he was the guy that really hurt defenses late in games when he needed it. He was the guy that could take the breaks off the middle of the field of a defense. I mean, going across the field on, on crossing dig routes, uh, post patterns, post corner. I mean, he was a guy that made big plays when the Broncos needed him to, and, and certainly his production speaks to that and obviously now with the San Francisco 49ers wish him the best over there uh, but yeah he's the second consideration there for the Broncos all decade team at wide receiver and then the third one I think is going to be a little controversial from Broncos fans and certainly look it could have gone either of two ways but I'm factoring health um, and, and more production uh, for this one here I'm going to go with Eric Decker 222 receptions for his time at Denver 3,070 receiving yards but 33 touchdowns overall he was a red zone target for Peyton Manning he was a guy that came up big when the Broncos needed him to and you know with Wes Welker Wes Welker changed the game for the Broncos too especially in the slot in his time in Denver but I think the biggest thing for not having Wes Welker on this I mean you could have either guy Eric Decker or Wes Welker I'm just going to go with the injury history you know he was injured a lot concussions for Denver and that was kind of the downfall of his career in the NFL nothing kind of changed after that for him and it was hard for him to catch on to another team more people are concerned about his long-term health uh, due due to taking so many shots to the head having all these concussions in his time. I, I think Eric Decker gets the consideration here. Wes Walker, in my opinion, he gets an honorable mention. Now let's go to tight end. This one was tough just because I, 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 I don't know. I felt like I was swayed a little bit based on productivity, but value and, you know, productivity wise, Julius Thomas is the selection here for the Broncos at tight end for the all decade team. 1,282 receiving yards in his time, 24 touchdowns in Denver. After he left Denver, he got a little bit big headed. The Broncos didn't want to pay him uh, what he wanted. And a lot of that was due to Julius Thomas father trying to control the negotiations. Well, you know, he was sent pack and he went to Jacksonville, didn't put up the numbers that he did with Peyton Manning, went to Miami, didn't put up the numbers he put up with Peyton Manning. And now he's no longer in the National Football League. Uh, but Julius Thomas, his time endeavor, he was very prolific. And, you know, he was a guy that was another weapon. I mean, you factor DT, you had Wes Welker, Decker, and you had Julius Thomas, no Sean Moreno out of the backfield catching passes. I mean, this Broncos offense, obviously the highest scoring offense in NFL history with these guys, it speaks numbers for itself. I was going to make the argument for Owen Daniels based on the fact that he came up big for the Broncos in 2015 when they really needed it. And outside of Julius Thomas, Owen Daniels was the most productive Broncos tight end in the last decade. Now, you know, I, it's one of those tough ones where you got to go with stats or you got to go with value. And it was tough. I, I think if I had two tight ends, it would definitely be uh, Owen Daniels as the second tight end. But we can only choose one in this selection. Julius Thomas gets the cake here.
Now we jump into the offensive line here. Let's start off with left tackle. Unanimous. Ryan Clady is the left tackle selection. He started 98 total games for Denver. He missed 2015 due to an injury. Left guard, I'm going with Zane Beatles. He started 62 games for Denver at left guard, and he was very monumental in terms of those Broncos screenplays being effective to Demarius Thomas on the outside. I mean, he gets there quick. He buries corners. He buried safeties. He was still inside linebackers that were trailing or, or pursuing from the backside. He was able to do a good job. I felt he was the most consistent left guard that the Broncos have had in this decade and and hopefully Dalton Reisner can now take that cake going into our next decade whenever we have the same discussion 10 years from now. At center, Matt Paradis and the biggest reason why, he was the most consistent anchor there at center especially in his own blocking scheme. Started 57 games for Denver. The unfortunate thing for him, he's injured halfway through 2018 and you know he, he was a really good fit for this Broncos team, especially at center and you know Connor McGovern I thought did a really good job in 2019 for the Broncos, but you just have to wonder what things could have been like if Matt Paradis decided to stay in Denver but then at the same time you bring Paradis back you don't get a chance of some free agent options like Kareem Jackson so uh, Paradis rightfully on this list here we could have done uh, Manny Ramirez but I know a a lot of Broncos fans probably would have taken my head for that and and I didn't really view Ramirez as one of the guys that you wanted to put on your all-decade team at right guard, it was tough between Luis Vasquez and Chris Cooper and you know I'd say both of them when you look at their productivity and they had two seasons where they were productive they each had one season in this last decade where they were injured and Cooper started 37 games for Denver at that position more so than Vasquez he retired in 2014 now an assistant coach for Denver he's a guy that's been on the Broncos for a long time and you know I I had to give the nod to Chris Cooper based on those factors there Um, obviously being a long-term member of the organization overall game started for Denver the impact there and I know the Broncos missed him as soon as he got hurt and you know he had to go elsewhere and he had to retire unfortunately for him to to kind of preserve his health and his body Uh, right tackle this was a tough one too because he bounced around several positions from guard to tackle and I thought he did really good for the Broncos he's probably the most consistent right tackle for them in the last decade and I'm gonna go with Orlando Franklin and he started 37 games for Denver at that right tackle position he gets my recognition and accolade there at right tackle and and certainly you know he's a champion very excited for and certainly he gets my recognition there for being the most consistent right tackle the Broncos have had there in a while outside of that it's not even close and obviously I think fullback we got to go with Andy Janovich I mean he's been very valuable the Broncos gave him a three-year contract extension just to prove how valuable he really was to this Broncos offense in terms of getting the run game going the run game kind of faltered without him in the lineup for the Broncos and and he's been a very big pillar for them off offensively and it's going to continue to be that way for the next couple of years so coming up here in just a moment we're going to be getting into our defensive all decade team for this Denver Broncos roster and we're also going to give a little bit of uh, coaches considerations as well we're going to be discussing that in just a moment but got to remind you guys to check out at locked on NFL net on Twitter it is your one-stop shop for all things NFL related with the offseason approaching with Black Monday happening this week a lot of coaching changes a lot of roster moves going to be happening and you need to stay up to date with one single feed of all local experts covering their teams in the local markets there at Locked On NFL Net. Shoot them a follow on Twitter. All right, jumping into our defensive all-decade team. This one was fun, and you know I, I think it was pretty self-explanatory. You can make a case for several players, um, but outside of this, just based on what I've spoken with Broncos country, a lot of people were in agreement with some of my selections, and some of the positions were dominated by Super Bowl 50 defensive players, but no question about it. This Broncos team has had some very valuable defensive players uh, through the last decade, and we're going to start off with the defensive side of the ball, outside linebacker. Okay, Our two selections here. I don't think anybody's going to have a 
different selection than mine. I've got Von Miller, 105 sacks in the last decade. That is unbelievable. 213 quarterback hits, Super Bowl 50 MVP. No questions asked. This is a guy that has dominated. Well, now it's 106 sacks because he did have a sack against Derek Carr and the Oakland Raiders in Sunday's victory. Uh, the other outside linebacker, Demarcus Ware. In his time in Denver, 21 and a half sacks. He had 44 quarterback hits, but his mentorship and his impact in the locker room for Denver, especially for Von Miller, was very critical. But I would have to say it goes beyond the scope of just what he's impacted with Von Miller. He controlled that defensive locker room that had some really strong personalities in TJ Ward, Aqib Tlaib, Chris Harris Jr. I mean, this was a defense that was hungry. They were tenacious. They got after quarterbacks. They intercepted passes in 2015. They were everywhere. And there were times where they were battle-tested. But having DeMarcus Ware in there showed all of those guys in that locker room that they have the talent that they can withstand any kind of adversity that they'd faced in that season and they could overcome it. And certainly they did with DeMarcus Ware leading that, being one of those leaders in that locker room. So he gets the vote for the second outside backer spot on the all-decade list. Going to defensive end now, Derek Wolf, 33 sacks in his time in Denver, started 108 games for them this past season. He had seven sacks in 12 games. Uh, Overall, 77 quarterback hits in his time at Denver. Easily one of the most productive DNs that the Broncos have had in the last decade. At defensive tackle, easy. This is a, a fan favorite for the Broncos, no longer playing in the NFL. Terrence Pyros Knighton. I feel like he was arguably the most disruptive nose tackle that the Broncos have had in the last decade. He started 32 games in Denver, tried to go to the Washington Redskins and, and maybe make a little bit of money. Uh, things didn't work out for him in terms of his NFL career after leaving Denver. It seems to be that way for several guys uh, that we had mentioned earlier, especially on the offensive side of the ball. <clears throat> Julius Thomas. But, uh, you know, he gets the nod at the defensive tackle position for the all-decade team. Defensive end, the other spot he left Denver as well. Hasn't had as much success, uh, success since, and that's Malik Jackson. His time in Denver, 14 and a half sacks. 2012-2015, that was the time frame he played in Denver. He had 15 passes, batted at the line of scrimmage. 44 quarterback hits, and when you really take a look at this, I could have easily put Shelby Harris into the mix here for his productivity the last few seasons in Denver, uh, considering the fact that he had 10 passes, batted at the line of scrimmage in a season in whole. Previous to that, he had seven, uh, if I, seven or eight, if I'm not mistaken. So he surpasses Malik Jackson in some of these categories. Certainly the Broncos would like to have Shelby Harris back, but I feel like I could have plugged either Shelby Harris or Malik Jackson in. I feel like because Malik Jackson's impact in that 2015 season, I feel like Shelby Harris gets an honorable mention here on our all-decade Broncos list. Now going to inside linebacker. This is where we start to get into the positions that were dominated by Super Bowl 50 players. Uh, inside backers, you got your two selections. Brandon Marshall, Danny Trevathan. The, the kind of numbers speak for itself in Denver. Danny Trevathan had five picks. He defended 18 passes, 302 tackles. Brandon Marshall, six and a half sacks, 423 tackles, five forced fumbles, 21 passes defense. And, and they were the two linebackers that complemented each other perfectly in Wade Phillips' defense defense and Danny Trevathan the next year went to Chicago and you know he had a chance to work with Vic Fangio and who knows maybe one day down the road maybe uh, Danny Trevathan comes back to Denver at some point but you know they they really complimented one another I, I remember just thinking at that time in 2015 even 2014 look this Broncos team they have the best linebacker inside core and outside back and core in the National Football League and certainly their defense and their productivity proved just that so those guys make the selection for the Broncos all decade list at inside linebacker now we get to strong safety. You got to go with TJ Ward who started 41 games for Denver played in from 2014 to 2016 three interceptions, 224 tackles five forced fumbles and 19 passes defense in his time at Denver a key interception against Cam Newton in Super Bowl 50. He also had the fumble recovery forced by Von Miller. 
these are the things that I look back on. And it brings me joy just going back to those moments covering the team where, hey, look, the Broncos had these guys on defense that were just dogs. They were tenacious. They got after people. They lowered their shoulder on a lot of dudes. And and Mike Tolbert knows exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to TJ Ward. So obviously, I think really outside of that, I don't, I don't see any other option that could have gotten a strong safety nod for the Broncos at this point in time besides TJ Ward. Now we look at Darian Stewart. Uh, his time in Denver at free safety. I had him selected for nine interceptions, 61 games played for Denver, 24 passes defensed, 250 tackles, but you could easily make the same exact argument for Justin Simmons, but I feel like Justin Simmons, when the Broncos lock him up, he'll be on the next all-decade list that we go through. It was really tough considering the fact he was young. I mean, Justin Simmons had an all-pro year for the Broncos this season. Uh, you know, he had a little bit of struggle last year in Joe Wood's defensive scheme uh, in terms of tackling, and you know, the Broncos asked him to do a lot. He had to play a lot out of position. I think that hurt him ultimately last season. He was able to respond, and Vic Fangio placed him perfectly in the position that I feel like he would have excelled at if you know Joe Woods were able to do the same thing last year or even two years ago. But the promise that, that Justin Simmons has shown in his career in Denver is certainly something to be excited about, and he gets the selection um, obviously going forward. But Darian Stewart gets there. If I had a 1B, it would be Justin Simmons for sure at the free safety position. Now we got three cornerback selections. we got our two outside guys, and we've got our slot cover corner. And I think the slot corner is easily Chris Harris Jr. and 138 games for the Broncos. He had 20 interceptions, four touchdowns, 86 passes defense. I mean, his time at Denver has been productive going to test the free agency market. There is a chance he comes back in Denver. I know the Broncos want him back. He wants to stay in Denver, but he also wants to see what other teams have out there. And and certainly if he doesn't return to Denver, you can expect him to go to some kind of contender in the AFC or the NFC. And it could be a divisional opponent, which would be an absolutely horrible thing, I think, for Broncos fans to kind of feel that kind of pain if he were to leave Denver and go to a division rival like the Raiders or the Chiefs. Now on the outside too, like I said, this could be arguable as well. This could be debated. You know, in the three-year stretch, We got Champ Bailey from 2010 to 2013. He was still playing at a very high level. And here's my argument here, too, because Bradley Roby can make a case as well. A lot of people were telling me that, you know, they were going through and say, well, Bradley Roby, you know, had more productivity in his time in Denver. I'm not going to argue that, but I'm I'm talking about impact. If you still go back to 2010 and all the way even up to 2013, I mean, Champ Bailey battled some injuries in 2013, and that was the ultimate product of him, you know, maybe kind of faltering a little bit on the list in some people's eyes. But, man, there's some games, especially against Jamal Charles, and, and I believe this was 2012 for the Broncos, or it was early 2013 as well. He was a guy that was able to cover Dwayne Bowe. He covered Reggie Wayne. I mean, this is a guy that was going after everybody, covering the top receiver from every team, and he was still making plays, and he was still productive, and nobody wanted to throw to his side, you know, and then the Baltimore Ravens tested him against Torrey Smith in the AFC Divisional round in 2012. That's where people's opinions of Champ Bailey started to fall off, and they said, okay, Father Time is catching up to him. I still think Champ Bailey's play, six interceptions, like I mentioned, 34 passes defensed, and and 46 games played in that three-year stretch of the this last decade earns Champ Bailey a spot on this list and obviously a Hall of Famer for the Broncos rightfully so he's in the mix and then our last cornerback spot here we're going to talk about Aqib Tlaib and, and this is a guy whose productivity spoke for itself in 58 games for Denver he had 11 interceptions he had 6 total touchdowns too defensively 48 passes defensed and 186 tackles he was a guy that was a dog opposite of Chris Harris Jr. and Bradley Roby very monumental in the Broncos 2015 season that interception on 
on Joe Flacco that pick six to win the game for Denver week one of the 2015 opener was huge. He had a pick six against the Cleveland Browns that year. I mean, he had a pick six against the Dallas Cowboys a couple of years ago. This is a guy that, you know, anytime he touched the ball defensively, you know, he was going to score. And I, I think ultimately his production, him being a member of the Super Bowl 50 team, helps weigh that in a factor in the area where, you know, I think outside of that, the Broncos, other cornerbacks in this last decade, I think uh, Dre Bly, if I'm not mistaken, maybe in 2010, and then you had Andre Goodman in a year. If I'm not mistaken, I think Andre Goodman was 2010 or 2011, uh, but they didn't have anywhere near the productivity that Aqib Tlaib had when we look at the other guys on the roster like Champ Bailey and Chris Harris Jr. and Bradley Roby. Like I said, you can make a case for Roby, uh, but outside of that, I think that is the all-decade list. So to recap our picks, offensively, quarterback Peyton Manning, two running backs, Philip Lindsay, no Sean Moreno, three wide receivers, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Eric Decker, tight end Julius Thomas, left tackle Ryan Clady, left guard Zane Beatles, center Matt Paradis, right guard Chris Cooper, right tackle Orlando Franklin, fullback Andy Janovich. Defensively, you have Von Miller and Demarcus Ware, outside backer. Defensive end, Derek Wolf, Malik Jackson. Defensive tackle, Terrence Knighton. Two inside backers, Brandon Marshall, Danny Trevathan. Two safeties, TJ Ward, Darian Stewart. Three cornerbacks, Champ Bailey, Chris Harris Jr. on the slot, and Aqib Talib. Those are the guys that get the honor and the recognition for this all-decade team. And, and to close things out here on Lockdown Broncos, our coaches' nominations for the Broncos' all-decade team. Head coach Gary Kubiak. And I, you know, I'm going to get a lot of flack from people. And people are going to say, what about John Fox? I think John Fox definitely has a lot of war in this discussion, but he couldn't finish. They didn't win the Super Bowl under him. If they would have won in 2013, I think John Fox easily would have been on this list. But Gary Kubiak had a winning record in his two seasons as the Broncos head coach before stepping down due to health concerns at the end of 2016 or or possibly being forced out of the organization. Uh, you know, I, I think that what he was able to do winning the Super Bowl in his first year as head coach for the Broncos. That was big in and of itself, and it was a monumental moment that will forever be cemented in Broncos history. Offensive coordinator, I think you got to go with Peyton Manning, <laughs> you know, who really kind of made Adam Gase who he was. Peyton Manning would be the OC, uh, but obviously the title goes to Adam Gase as the offensive coordinator of the decade for the Broncos. Defense coordinator, easily Wade Phillips, and, and the amount of productivity he got out of his defense in 2015 and even into 2016 spoke for itself and that is our Denver Broncos all decade team for offense for defense for the coaches and you know I, I, it's really fun to do I'm, I'm excited to see what kind of names headline in the year 2030 when we come back and we talk about the next decade from 2020 all the way to 2029 you know hopefully names on there are still Drew Locke hopefully Cortland Sutton hopefully Noah Fan. hopefully these guys are on that list for a long period of time to come and uh, who knows what the Broncos is going to be like who knows if they're going to make it back to the Super Bowl in the next decade but certainly we'll have that conversation here in about nine and a half ten years from now and I tell you what I'm very excited about it Broncos country, you should be excited about us too because the Broncos, they have a lot to look forward to with the young roster that they have. If they can keep a lot of these guys together and they can build at positions of need and they can add some more depth and they can just increase their overall productivity and Rich Scandrillo can continue to grow as an offensive coordinator, Locke continues to grow as a quarterback, and if this defense can stay healthy and they can continue to evolve, I think the Broncos can be a very tough team in the next couple of years for the NFL. I think we're going to get back to talking about some of the good days in Broncos country. So with that said, I'm Cody Work, host of the Lockdown Broncos. We'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show. We'll maybe talk about some of our New Year's resolutions for this Broncos team. We're going to also include some fan feedback into that. What do fans want? What are fans' New Year's resolutions for the Broncos heading in to 2020 and the new year? Obviously, with the offseason approaching, a lot of moves that the Broncos have to consider and make going forward.